You are listening to episode 191 of the Juicebox Podcast. We are sponsored today by Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes. You can go to myomnipod.com slash juicebox, dexcom.com slash juicebox, or dancing4diabetes.com to find out more. Today's episode is with Catherine. It is called Shame Cycle. Today we're going to focus on shame and guilt and the difference between the two. We're also going to take a look into the difference between healthy guilt and unhealthy guilt. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the National Institute for the Clinical Application of Behavioral Medicine. There's a great infographic there that will show you the difference between guilt and shame, and it'll even show you the difference between unhealthy and healthy guilt. Now, just in case that all sounds just too serious for you, don't worry. There's plenty of other conversation here about Catherine and her 10 years with type 1 diabetes. Catherine's even got magic underwear. I mean, this episode easily could have been called Catherine's Magic Underwear. So don't go thinking it's going to bum you out. It isn't. You know this podcast. I'm not going to bum you out. You also know that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. I get the same feeling every time I go that this shame just washes over me like I'm not enough. And I realized as I was listening to your podcast that other people were feeling that too. I'm Katherine Hayes, and I've been a type 1 diabetic for just over 10 years. I was diagnosed in 2007, and I'm 27 now, and I have three kids. And it's tough. <laughs> well, wait, hold on a second. What part's tough? The three kids or the diabetes? <laughs> All of it together. Of it. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's start slow. Diagnosed right at the end of high school, huh? Um, I was in 11th grade. 11th grade? That sucks. Um, yeah, it, it was tough. There was a lot of, I mean, high school just sucks already. So um, it was it was hard, but... Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I do. I, I think I have an idea because my son's a senior this year and really great student. But halfway through this year, he was sort of like, this isn't over yet. Like, when does this, mm-hmm. like, I've been accepted to college. Like, when, when does all this stop? And he's doing a great job of plowing through it, but he doesn't have diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't dropped on him. And something big and huge wasn't dropped on him at this point in your life where you're sort of like, hey, I'm finishing something. I've accomplished something. I'm almost an adult. Like, happy time, mm-hmm. you know? So it's was there any um, foresight, any in your in your family or anything like that? That well, so the year before um, I had gotten mono, mm-hmm. and that like sent my grades down pretty low, especially in math, because I kept falling asleep in class, and uh, and like I I just couldn't stay awake, and I didn't know that like that was a sign that I needed to go to the doctor or anything. But, um, but so that was tough. And then being diagnosed the next year, it was not good for my grades, but, um, made it through. It sort of strung together though. The mono hit you and then the diabetes hit you. Yeah. And, oh geez, that sucks. I, I, I want to tell you a story, but it's inappropriate for the, um, for the the podcast, but I got mono when I was a kid and, and the way I, uh. The way I got through it was by talking my girlfriend into believing that if I was happier, that the mono would be easier to deal with. And uh, 
it worked out pretty well for me. Um, I don't know about oh, her. Yeah, I felt bad for her, but um, nevertheless. Did, uh, did she get mono as well? She did not. I was careful. Okay. And so. <laughs> well, the person that I got it from said they were careful. I hear you. Well, that's boys. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. a boy. Never mind. Yeah, don't yeah. trust boys. I think yeah. that's the lesson here. Uh, yeah. Also, also you, you learned that lesson over and over again over the last decade, and some man made you pregnant three times. And yeah, so... <laughs> I know. And I don't know how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> You're really not sure? <laughs> so, I... so when did you, how old are your kids? Are they all like a year old? Did you have them all at the same time? No. Um, I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. Okay. All right. Well, that's – so what did you do? You got like, – let's do the math. Did you get – Married in your like early twenties. I I got married when I was nineteen. I was almost twenty. Wow, I was young when I yeah. got married, but you have me beat. <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast, and surprisingly, you talk a lot about marriage. Well, um, that's because it, it, so... it tries every day to ruin my life, just like diabetes. I fight, I fight back. I don't give up. A lot of people would have given up by now. Not me. Yeah, I'm a fighter. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> no, um. Well, I, I, geez, my wife was like 22 when we got married. And even then I thought, this is probably a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But that was like 22 years ago at this point. Yeah. Okay. So 19. So can, do you mind talking about that for a second, even though it might not have anything to do with diabetes or maybe it did. Did you find somebody who was just a good guy early on and you were like, okay, I shouldn't let go of a decent person. How did it work out? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, like, I want to say a little bit is, um, I've noticed that you've also interviewed a few different Mormons and I was like, I know you're Mormon, even though you didn't say it, but, um, but yeah, we, we tend to marry a little bit earlier, but, um, yeah, I, I just found someone that was perfect. And so I wasn't gonna, gonna wait for anything. Very nice. So there's this funny thing that happens on the podcast. So I don't set up if or not, whether or not people use Dexcoms, I, I just, whoever wants to be on the podcast, doesn't matter to me. I don't set up mm-hmm. what, what insulin pump they are. I certainly don't set up whether or not they're Mormon. Um, and so, <laughs> and so but, but you're right. There, there's been, I've had an ex, an overabundance of Mormons, lesbian couples and, and like stuff <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know how that ends up happening, but I, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other, but I am proud yeah. of myself because for all of the Mormons that I've spoken to, I've never once asked about the magic underwear, and I very much want to, but I never... <laughs> it is so comfortable, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so I didn't... If we end up calling this podcast episode Magic Underwear, you're okay with that? I'm okay with that, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I will leave that to the people to Google on their own. Okay. Um, but let's just say... LDS.org. That's where you look. Okay. All right. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. I didn't... Um, Oh gosh, who was running for president a few years ago? Mitt Romney. Romney, and they called. They they hit him on it, and he he answered a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was I was like, that's that's interesting because I I couldn't believe somebody asked him. I was like, that's fantastic. Anyway, people- Mormons get all kinds of weird questions, and we just try to roll with it. Well, you ruined basketball with that Sean Bradley guy about twenty. Years I don't ago. even. I, don't ask me about basketball. And I, I, have no I haven't. I haven't forgiven Mormons since then. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go look it up he when we're sold done. Sold me this giant spindly guy that couldn't play, and uh, we drafted oh, him no. high, and then he went off to do like service overseas for a year, and then when he came back, he couldn't play <laughs> basketball. I was like, we got ripped off. Hey, but I'm certain there was someone in baseball recently that. Uh, went on a mission, 
I can't remember where, to like Brazil or something, came back and played baseball in the major leagues and is doing awesome. Well, that's cool. We'll find out about that too. All right. So listen, this is not the Mormon podcast. I know. <laughs> uh, but, so we're going to jump past that, but, but good on you. And I love that you said that the magic underwear was comfortable and, uh, mm-hmm. and we're moving on now. So you are on the podcast for a specific reason, right? So you reached mm-hmm. out, did you reach out over Instagram? You did, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you told me what? Dancingfordiabetes.com. Dancing the number four diabetes.com. How did we start talking? Well, I like I had a series of realizations um, recently because I mean I my A1C has kind of always hung around seven and seven point two around there, and unless I was pregnant, um, and then I was able to get it down, but. I just, I realized when I went to my last endo appointment that like there was that, it was that same feeling. I get the same feeling every time I go that this shame just washes over me. Like I'm not enough. And, and I realized as I was listening to your podcast that other people were feeling that too. And that I know that the only way to stop feeling that and to start progressing and and doing better is to talk about it yeah i think you're right you've had diabetes for a decade but you're still young um and and those my gosh those kids have got to be a drain because i stopped it too because i was like oh (laughs) another one i mean it's just i'm upset i have dogs at this point you you know Mm -hmm. like i was like everything wants my time seriously i want a dog but i I just know inside i can't do it oh my gosh i would if i was you if you want a dog here's my advice trade two of the kids for the dog that's the (laughs) only way you're going to be able to accomplish it but yeah but seriously i i love my dogs but they're there, everything's a time suck at some point, right? Like the dogs mm-hmm. need, need your time and the kids need mm-hmm. your time and your house needs mm-hmm. your time and then diabetes needs your time. And your attention. And it's like, I don't have enough te- attention to go around. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, and plus you'll probably have to be pregnant again soon. So <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> you just you have a bat next to the bed. Do you just like, <laughs> like no way, buddy. In my, in my closet, but <laughs> just take a few steps to get there. That's hilarious. Insulin pumps are not all the same. And that might be hard to believe because, I mean, really, what is it? It's a thing that gives you insulin. It's basically just stopping you from having to inject. And it's giving you, you know, control over your background insulin. That's the two things that insulin pumps bring. No injections, the ability to manipulate your background insulin. So, I mean, if that's the case, just take whichever one your doctor offers you, right? Don't even worry about it. Don't think twice about it. No, don't do that. What are you doing? I was kidding. Stop. You need the Omnipod because it's not the same as everyone else. Sure, it allows you to make adjustments, and sure, it gives you your insulin without injecting over and over again all day long, like every other insulin pump. But the thing that Omnipod has is what it doesn't have. Interesting, huh? Little wordplay there. The Omnipod doesn't have any tubes. It doesn't have a controller that you have to carry with you attached to a tube attached to your body. That doesn't exist with Omnipod. Omnipod is self-contained, It has a controller, but that controller is wireless. You only pick that up a few times a day to make adjustments. Push a button, it speaks back to the pod wirelessly, and you get your insulin. Everything contained in the pod. So while on the surface it might seem like an insulin pump's an insulin pump, trust me, it's not. And to know for sure, all you need to do is go to myomnipod.com slash juicebox. 
There you can get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod. Having a free demonstration pod sent to your house couldn't be easier. Go to the links in the show notes at juiceboxpodcast.com or type it in the way I just told you, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. The beauty is you don't have to take my word for it. You can try it for yourself and decide. You just said something in a very specific way. Like you said, you're not enough. And do you have, uh-huh. do you have that feeling in other aspects of your life or is it just really wrapped around the diabetes? Uh, I think we all, like we're all experiencing it in, in so many different aspects of our life, whether it's body image or um, just like success, like how well you're doing at your job or, um, or, or like self-care or diabetes or a different illness or anything like that. We're all experiencing it so much, but I felt like I realized that for people with type one, we're experiencing that on another level. And it's it's like, yeah. And it's like, it's like, we've got all these different measuring sticks of like how to compare ourselves to whoever else we see or whoever we think we should be. Mm -hmm. And diabetes is like another big fat measuring stick with like, it comes with A1Cs. It comes with, judgmental doctors it comes with so much and and then I was also thinking about because of you like to have a child with with type one is like another big fat measuring stick because like it it adds on to like how well we parent like how well you're managing your child's diabetes and and that there would just be so much shame associated with that and like shame is not not good it doesn't help you well, I, first of all, I think you're really brave for wanting to talk about it just in your private life. I think you're incredibly brave for being able to do it in front of other people. So this is going to help a ton of people and, and I appreciate you coming on and doing it. I hope so. Yeah. I, I get through those moments with just, um, uh, blinding, uh, ignorance. I just don't listen or pay attention. Like there's moments when, and I know that's not something everyone can do, but let me back up for a second. So you said something mm-hmm. really interesting, measuring sticks. And so that's something I struggled with when I started the podcast, right? Or how much you're going to share online or what you're going to say to people. Mm-hmm. Because your intention is to be is to be inspirational, aspirational, motivational, right? Like is to say like, look, because I say it all the time. Like I am genuinely not a very, you know, not an overly smart person. I'm terrible at math. I prove it to you guys almost every week. And that's I st- why I told you exactly how long I'd had diabetes and how oh, old see I was. if I could do the math. Listen, 20- no, no, just so that you didn't have to. Oh, I, I appreciate that because twenty-seven <laughs> minus ten, I'm pretty. I can yeah. do that pretty solid. Uh, but, but, but no. So, like, it's just. But so, like, once you figure something out, do you not share it? Because if I share it, if I say, "Hey, look at this graph. You put the insulin in here. You do this. You do that. Look how easy it stays flat." That's a lot of people, who who's who who aren't you see that and go, oh my gosh, I can do this too. And, it, and, they, and they're motivated by it or inspired by it. And then some people mm-hmm. might be inspired by it, but still have this aspect of, oh my gosh, I'm failing. And mm-hmm. this person's doing it. And, and why can't I? And, and so which would you rather? I'm going to ask you as a person who's impacted that way. Would you prefer if a person like me didn't share it? And so you didn't feel like you weren't like there wasn't a measuring stick or do you think that that wouldn't stop it? No, I think, I think we have to judge, but we have to judge, um, fairly. And so 
you take what someone tells you and then you compare it to what you want to do. Like, it's not, it's not like this person has an A1C of six and that means that I'm not enough and I'm never going to be able to do it. You have to look at it as it really is, which is not a judgment on who you are, but on what you're capable of. It's a lot like what, um, I can't remember her name, but she was, she did softball, but she was talking about, um, what is it? Oh, the girl. Something the, over, something over outcome. Yeah. Mo- Molly Fickner. Yeah. She, yeah. It's process over outcome. Process it's, over outcome. Right. right. So you think about the process. You don't think about the outcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and and it, the, my God, that's a hundred percent right. Some people have a hard time doing that. I think that like the service that you provide by doing the podcast is kind of twofold because in one way you're, you're giving like good information that like I had never heard anywhere else from any doctor or anything. And I, and I Googled things and couldn't find anything. Um, and that, and that's really great, like to help me try new things and, and get better A1Cs and stuff like that. Um, but then at the same time, you're also providing this great emotional support and motivation for people to just try. That's very nice. Because we're not, that. we're not doing great sometimes at just trying and when we could be a lot more successful if we did. It's not, it's not, it's, it's most of the time, it's not anyone's fault though. Like, because look what you just said. No one told me this stuff, these things, these tools, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then all they said was, here's your goal. It was backwards. Mm-hmm. They didn't give you any process. They gave you all outcome. This is your, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. You need to win the game. Um, well, what do I do with that bat? No, I can't tell you that. What's the ball for? I can't tell you that. You, yeah. you know, like what's going to happen when I stand next to the diamond thing? Oh, I can't tell you that either. But you got to win. If you don't win, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. And and that ends up being what diabetes is when you don't get the tools. Um, you know, like um, um, you alluded to it, but no one ever explained to you that insulin doesn't work right away when you start when you put it in. Is that I think they told me 15 minutes, but I can't remember at what point they told me mm-hmm. because I mean, it was like, I, I just, I like cried listening to Nicole's, um, interview because, uh, we were both diagnosed at the same age. And so like, I totally, I could, I could feel like exactly how was she, how she was feeling at that moment where like, you don't know how to deal with things, but you you don't think anyone else's responsibility. You don't think it's anyone else's responsibility, but your own. Right. And so, and like, and I went to an adult endocrinologist, like not a pediatric one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first few appointments were just like, Oh, your A1C is 7.2. And then like, and just like, kind of like I was, it's like the beginning of that wash of shame. And then I think it was like my third or fourth appointment with him where he like sat me down and showed me some kind of graph of like that showed me that if I didn't make it better that I was going to die. Oh. <laughs> and, and I was like, how delightful. I mean, in, in some ways my brain was like, that's not the right way to talk to me. And I knew that it was wrong, but in other ways it like really framed internally how I felt about everything. Win or die. Yeah. And, uh, and also, and I didn't even realize until I started listening to the podcast and thinking about like all the new gadgets that we have now, the Dexcom and pumps and stuff. And I was on injections. I'd had diabetes for like six months and he was like, 
if you don't fix this, you're going to die. And so I was just like, I felt like I was given the least quality care Mm -hmm. and the highest expectations possible. And so, I mean, things have gotten so much better than that. Well, I, and I, it was in Canada. Did I already say that? I can't remember. If you were in Canada um, when you were diagnosed? Yeah. No. There are Mormons in Canada? There are. That's what you just um, said. That, <laughs> by the way, six times I've changed the uh, title of this episode of my mind already. Um, there are I, Canadians in Canada. I mean, <laughs> I, I heard, I heard, I'm not enough, Mormons. and I'm like, oh, that's a good, that's a yeah. good title. And then you just said there are Mormons in Canada, and I'm like, Mormons yeah. are in Canada too. Is a good title. I don't there, know what to do. Fun um, fact: Is that where there the are more Mormons Where's outside the choir of at? what? Where's the, the, the choirs in Utah? Yeah. But. There are more Mormons outside of the United States than inside. More Mormons. That even. Mm-hmm. That, that, I'm, I'm having too much fun. Um, so, <laughs> well, geez. So, okay. What, what was the impact of being told win or die? I'm not going to tell you how. What did that? It was just constant effect? failure. It was, a, it was a state of constant failure where I just like, I couldn't make it better because I hadn't been given the tools. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was just, I can't, it was just always, I can't do this. I can't fix it. And it was like that for years. And it was actually probably like that until I got pregnant the first time. So what, what, what was different then? Um, I had moved to the States cause my husband is American. Um, and well, actually in Canada, they, this is so dumb. I don't know if they've changed it. But they told me that I couldn't get a pump until my control was better. And I was like, you know, the reason to get the pump is so your control's better, right? Yeah, that's um, something people say. They say that here, too. Um, Robert's listening right now. He was just told one year. It makes me so mad. Yeah, yeah. Some people get told six months. Some people tell until you understand it better. There's just I, – I think that all of those statements are born out of, look, we don't really know how to tell you how to use the pump really well mm, so that could be it why don't you figure it out and then we'll let you have it so you don't have any questions for us um yeah that that is what i've boiled it down to believing i just think that they don't know so they don't want you to have it then ask them and have them have to tell you i don't know it's sort of like well, when your parents yell at you when you ask them a question and they're just like yeah. shut up and, and you're, you're like why yeah, and you realize like, like a decade later she's your mom just didn't understand what you were asking <laughs> yeah I do that with my own son. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask mommy stupid questions. Now he, go away. he asked the most <laughs> incomprehensible questions about lightsabers, and I just got no clue. You should have said, I had mono in 11th grade. I, I, I wasn't there that day. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave yeah. Me alone. <laughs> yeah. Incomprehensible. Well, listen, what's the question about the lightsaber? Let's see if we can cobble that together right now. Do you remember? I, I, I think it was like... What does the lightsaber have? <laughs> like, that's so I think there's a crystal inside of it. I think there's a crystal inside of it that's specific to each Jedi, but please don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% certain. <laughs> I think it, it might have even been weirder than that, and it was just like impossible to answer. You could have. How, how old is he? he? He was probably four at the time. You could have lied about that easily. Just said magic. And, yeah, and like, I think I did. Yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. Said it's magic. magic, little man. Go away. Um, yeah. And, and were you, are you, you're in America now? No. Well, wait, am or I? In, where am do I, you live? 
I'm I live in Florida right now. Oh, that's way better than Canada. Um, it's got better weather. Yeah, I would say that, right? Oh, good for you. Uh, so, okay. Wow, I'm trying to like frame my next thought, and and I, it's not that easy for me because I'm trying. I can to, talk about pregnancy. Yeah, well, I'm interested. Like when you got to the pregnancy, was it the fact that there was another person counting on you? Is that what? That wasn't all of it because I had actually, we were actually in Arizona at the time and I had found this amazing physician's assistant. I want to give her a little shout out. Her name's Beth Prostyovsky. And she was, she saved my life like several times and also my kids' lives. But, um, how? She just, she helped. She, like, part of it was just that. She was so good at connecting and not blaming or shaming. And so I was able to go to her with these horrible blood sugars and she'd just be like, okay, we're going to fix this instead of, wow, you know, like you're going to die. <laughs> like that, that Well, you would think that would be the, the, at least the, the very least you could expect from a doctor is not to look at you right. and go, wow, you're going to die. Uh, but let me see if I can help. What did, what did she do to, to try to help you? Like, like, well, I, I started seeing her every two weeks, um, which I loved. I wish I could do that now because I feel like that's really how you get better control is by really paying attention. And I felt like once every three months or once a month wasn't enough. What do you do but, with her? What did you do with her that you couldn't do on your own? Well, like she just helped me. Like, well, first she got me Dexcom right away, which was awesome. Um, and she also got me on the pump. And she just like she made me less nervous about things, so that was good. But um, but she would like we would we'd put up the Dexcom results, and she'd go over it with me and. We'd just look at the trend. We'd lay the lines on top of each other. We'd see where I was high or low. We'd make adjustments. She really taught me like how to take care of myself. Like the stuff that I do for myself now, she taught me how to do. Well, it's just, I mean, it seems obvious as you're saying it, right? Like that that's what. Right. But like, because I was diagnosed at 17, no one ever helped me with those things. They expected me to do it on my own. It's interesting too, because you would think that at that age, the expectation from adults around you would be that you needed more help, not, not, Oh, she's old enough. We don't have to worry about this, especially from the doctor. I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to impugn anybody, but did your parents do that? Like, what did they do? Did they do the old, like, I don't, you go ahead and take care of it. Or did you seem too old to, for them to get involved? Were they scared to kind of trample on your adulthood? Like, how did that end up going? They were more emotional support. Um, but, but I think that was because at the time, like there was, there were no, or they didn't know of any help for parents with children with type one. Mm-hmm. And so, and like, there weren't any diabetic camps. They went to carb counting classes with me, which now listening to your podcast, I realize is useless. So <laughs> I'm mad about that too. <laughs> so your parents were sort of like the, the, the parents in the stands at a, at a little league game. Their kids like wearing their hat backwards, picking flowers. They're like, you're doing great, Billy. And, and you're like, no, <laughs> yeah. you're not really helping him at all. But, um, but I do appreciate the support. Uh, it, well, it's tough. See, you just describe people in the same exact situation as you. Motivated, uh, desires to help, not enough tools to be valuable. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, it's, and I think like with Nicole, she would have, she would have been motivated if she had some emotional support. Yeah. No, you know, so I, it just changes everything. Right. And everybody's situation ends up being unique to them because of who they are, the doctor they're lucky enough to bump into or not bump into mm-hmm. the parents they're lucky enough to have or not have whatever it ends up being is, is just sort of the, it's the soup you get thrown into. And mm-hmm. it, a lot of times it's just so interesting to me when you, you say you you're out in Arizona and you meet this, this new you know person and, and all they're doing for you is giving you some support letting you lean on them a little bit, taking over a tiny bit of the responsibilities for understanding and then passing that information back to you. It really, mm-hmm. it really is just another, it is just another form of parenting just within the disease. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's no different than what you would do for, for your child. And, and, and it's, it, it's a, it, it's at the core of what common decency is. And, and you would think the very least you could expect from someone in that. Right. Position, you know? But I felt like with, with so many other endos that I had, it was like, okay, do this for the, for this entire month. Cause I'm not going to see you just do this and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I don't you know, know what that means. <laughs> and it doesn't, yeah, that doesn't work. Don't, don't test it this time. Don't correct that number. Just put the insulin in. And so yeah. when, when you stop and really think about that, what they're saying is, I'm going to give you this adjustment to make. Make it, then come back, and I'll test your A1C again, and I'll see if my adjustment helped. That is not right. in any way valuable uh, within the hours of the day or moment no. to moment. It's just it's an overall number. And what if the information they gave you just caused you to be low more frequently and your A1C dick came down a little bit? Then when you went back, they'd be like, oh, it's working. I have been like, I've had times where I was low every morning for like weeks because I was waiting for my appointment. How long? And it sucked. Uh, probably in like the 50s, 40s. And so tell me right there from, from your pr- perspective, what stopped you from making an adjustment on your own? Well, I didn't. Well, it was probably like since I'd been put on the pump and I didn't know that I could make changes on my own (laughs) part of, because of your, (laughs) because of your disclaimer, right? Like you need to talk to your doctor before making any changes. That's what I was stuck in. Okay. And you understand why I say that because I have to, because it's risky. Right. Because I can't, I can't, I'm not a doctor and I, I can't, and I'm not giving anybody medical advice. I did eventually, like I've learned over the years to just deal with it myself because no one else is going to hold my hand. Right. But. And that's the exact right thing to do. Just, we're stuck in this very interesting situation where I'm, I can't really come right out and say that because Mm -hmm. I'm, I can't. And, and at the same time, if I don't share what's happening for us and what's working for us, then, you know, then I, listen, let me put it this way. I spoke a few weeks ago at a, a JDRF event in front of probably a hundred people. And I said to them at the very beginning of the thing, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you what I do with my daughter. Uh, if you think any of it sounds like a good idea, you should go talk to a doctor because none of this is medical advice. It is absolutely positively 100% not medical advice. Of course, it's not medical advice. I'm not a doctor, but it is just my experience, right? It is, yeah. it is what I've seen over and over again. Now, Here's the difference. How do you know who to trust? How do you know who did who somebody did something once has absolutely no um, historical data to tell them that it's valuable? Doesn't know, 
you know, um, doesn't know if it's really going to work over and over again, but runs to the internet and says it. Like, how do you know the difference? And I, I hope that my decade or more at this point of time, just sharing in the space, like, I hope that has built confidence with people. And, and because I, I think that's the only way to know who you can trust and who you can't trust. And at the same time, you still can't trust me. I'm not a doctor. Mm -hmm. I might say something that works great for my kid that won't work for you. The last thing I said when I was speaking before I started the JDRF event is I said, if you hear anything here today and go home and do it and kill your kid with it, I don't want to hear about it. You you know, like, like you should go talk to a doctor first, but at the same time, these are good. But things also to be bring. cautious. Yes, you have to be like, a little responsible for yourself. Yeah. You can't just, you can't just put yourself in a position where you're just like, well, that's up to them to tell me, or that's up to this person mm-hmm. to tell me. There has to be personal responsibility. If, if you're going to make changes by yourself, you have to pay attention to it. Absolutely. You can't walk into a wall, mm-hmm. break your nose, and sue the builder for putting the wall there. Like, like yeah. you know, you need to you need to be a little responsible for yourself. And at the same time, if you're having, you know, more specifically with diabetes, if you're not having the successes that you want or that they're even telling you to, you can't look back at them and go, well, it's their fault. Because yeah. at some point, you've gotten what you're going to get from them. You can't keep expecting they're going to do more than they're, than they've shown you they're willing to do. It's not going to magically change. Your your verbally abusive father is not going to turn into a decent guy 10 years from now if you just hold on long enough. You Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like you have to – at some point you have to see people, whether they're your doctor or or a friend or somebody in between, you have to see them for who they are, what they are, what they're willing to give you, what they have to give you. And then if that's not enough, then you have to put it on yourself to go figure out what the right answer is or – or get in a position yeah. where you're back. You have to experiment. That's it. But that was not happening for you. Like, like you, you really did get, and this is, of course, very understandable, but you, you described yourself in the beginning as feeling like you're not enough, and that became a burden to you, it sounds like to me. It sounds like that that was your overwhelming um, position, which was, and did it just hit you when you went into the doctor's office quarterly, or did you feel like that at home? Um, I think it was like a an undercurrent all the time because, I mean, anytime I tested my blood sugar and it was 300, you know, it was like, oh, crap. Like, here I am again. But um, Not even I messed up, just I've ended up in this place? Um, I, it was both. Like, like so... One thing that I'd like to to just state, so for everybody's information, is that there's a difference between shame and guilt. And guilt is I did something bad, and shame is I am bad. And so when you look at that blood sugar and it's not good, part of that can be guilt and be like, okay, what do I need to do differently? And you're going to adapt and you're going to change, and it's going to be better because of that. But shame is I suck. And I'm never going to be able to fix this. And that's where you get stuck. And I realized recently that when I feel shame, I freeze and I just, I'm just immobilized. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of what was happening. It's interesting too, that you, you don't describe your shame like depression. So this is not something, um, maybe I'm wrong, but is it, you're not depressed about it. You're just, you feel you're shameful about it. Right. Okay. And I think that's interesting and, and important to point out because I think there are plenty of people who 
would go along the same path as you and their their brain chemistry might be a little more leaning towards becoming depressed about it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting to hear a person who's not depressed talk about similar impacts. You, you, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. it, it really is because you think, well, it makes sense that some people, they're, they're, they're maybe depressed people to begin with and then they get diabetes and it makes it worse and that's understandable and there's a course to help them. But the, the rest of us who aren't depressed never feel like that, but that's not it either. That's totally not true. But it's easy, mm-hmm. to, it's, it's easy to believe that, that you're either in the camp that it's understandable if this is hard for you or in the camp where it's not understandable if it's hard for you. And that's not the case. It, it's difficult for everyone in some way. Yeah. There's actually uh, research about shame that shows that it's highly correlated with depression and addiction and violence and eating disorders. And I think like you, the root is really shame that you need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I do. I am interested in other aspects of your life that aren't diabetes. Uh, if your kid comes home with a, a bad grade or something like that, like do you feel ashamed of those things? Or is that no. that's not your default position on other things? No, I, I think what was so interesting about like the recent realization and when I, uh, and I messaged you on Instagram was because I, I have been learning so much about it and like how I respond to shame, but like that it was impacting my diabetes and my self-care in that regard was such a surprise. <laughs> it was like, like I normally I'm not feeling shame like day to day right. or I thought I wasn't. And then I just, I, I went to the doctor and I listened to your podcast and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like here it is. Yeah. Does it and it was, it was an awakening. Does it double back around and get you twice? Do you, do you have a bad, you know, a, a blood sugar you're not looking for that you don't want that feels bad to you. You feel ashamed about it. Then the shame cripples you. Do you then feel ashamed for not acting? Like, can it like double down on you? When is the last time you wondered what your blood sugar was or what your child's was? Was it five minutes ago? 10 minutes ago? Was it in the last half an hour? Were you just thinking it now before I said this? Are you wondering now what it is? How wonderful would it be not to wonder anymore? Not to look across the room at somebody and think, we should go get the meter. It's been an hour since he ate. It's been three hours since I gave him that bolus. You know, I'm going to eat in a half an hour. I guess it's time for me to look at my blood sugar. Where's my meter? Let me poke a hole in my finger and find out what my blood sugar is. How would you like to never think that way again? Ever. That is completely possible right now with technology that exists today. All you need is the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. It's that simple. Make test strips a thing of the past. Go to Dexcom.com slash juicebox and get started today. It's that simple. No more finger sticks. In addition to no more finger sticks, there's a share feature which means that the person you love or yourself, no matter where you are in the world, someone you love can see what your blood sugar is doing. Not just what it is, not just the number, but the direction it's moving and the speed it's moving in that direction. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox with the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. Dexcom can bring you the comfort you deserve. 
can it like double down on you? Um, it can when it's not that I'm not acting. It's that I start eating <laughs> because I'm an emotional eater. And so then, oh, so then it, then, oh, I see. So, uh, blood sugar goes higher than you want it to. I, and I'm like, man, I need to eat a chocolate bar. <laughs> I, I'm ashamed I couldn't figure out how to do this. You know what'll fix this? Chocolate. Yeah. Blood sugar, yeah. blood sugar goes back up and then cycle. Yeah. Then you're stuck in a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. I'm sorry. Um, okay. And so how long ago would you say you realized what you just talked about? Like how long, uh, how long ago did you really understand the, the kind of cycle of shame that you're stuck in and, and how, how, what have you done so far about it? Well, I realized it with other things first, like, like body image and, um, even something as simple as like cleaning my house. And if my house was dirty, I felt like I was a loser and, and how like none of that is really true. Like, like the whole thing about shame is that it's a lie. And so I realized those things first and I was working through those things first. And then it was, it was only like the day that I messaged you that I had that realization. It really did hit you just then. So it's been, yeah. it's been more recently. Yeah. I wish people knew. I wish, I wish you could see like social media is such a great example using Instagram as an example. You, if you have a thousand people following you on Instagram and you put a picture up and 40 of them respond, it doesn't mean that only 40 of them saw it. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, and I don't know if this will work in the opposite way. Sometimes you'll see like girls will put up a picture of themselves like last year, this is me on the beach. And this year it's me on the beach and they're thinner this year than they were last year. I mm-hmm. wish they knew how often I look and I go, I liked her better when she wasn't as thin. Like, like, mm-hmm. like, do you know what I mean? Like, and by the way, it doesn't matter when I liked her. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. which one of them I'm more attracted to than the other. I just think that you get a, a, a thought in your head, like I'd be better thinner. And you don't realize that you were great the way you were. You, you, right. you know what I mean? Like just maybe not to everybody, but to somebody and definitely should, you know, to you, and and if and if it's not and if you're not happy with the the person from last year on the beach it's not it's not something to then worry what other people think like it's just that that would be something for you i mean it would be no different than um Gosh, I'm I'm struggling for an example. I was terrible. I really was bad at algebra uh, when, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know. And um, I've now lived my entire life not being good at algebra, and it doesn't bother me. But if it's, but I, I've never once felt bad about being not good at mm-hmm. algebra. If I did, I might put more effort into understanding it. But that would be for me, not for not for someone else. And I I, I just don't know if sometimes it doesn't get confused, like the difference between what would make me feel like the person I mean to be and what it means to other people. Like if I lost weight, like that person I'm talking about, this random pretend person, Mm -hmm. it would never occur to me to put a picture up on somewhere to show people, Hey, look, I've lost weight because I don't care if they care or not. Just like, just like the other, just like yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yesterday, the first day of softball practice at Arden's middle school, we, I, we messed up that day nine different ways. Her spikes didn't fit in the morning. And I was like, I'll buy you spikes during the day and I'll bring them over to the school. So I had to like steal like an insert out of her sneaker and go to the shoe store with it to try to figure out how bigger to buy these shoes because her foot had grown, right? And then I get a text from her, don't forget to bring a hair tie and I need my contact lenses. And I'm like, okay. So I bring all that stuff in. 
I go in the office of the school with two boxes of spikes, nine and a half and ten. And I'm like, try both these on and we'll see which ones fit. My wife was like, did people look at you? And I went, I don't know. Like, why would I know if they were like, I don't care. My daughter needs shoes. I don't care what other people think about this. You, you know? And so I, mm-hmm. and so we, by the way, it was the nine and a half. They fit her great. And, um, and she grabbed all of her stuff, ran to the gym. I drove home, which is luckily not that far. And I get a text message. Where are my contacts? And I'm like, oh, they're <laughs> no. in my pocket. And so I drove back to the school and I pulled up on the curb and she kind of ran out of the gym and grabbed them and I went home. And I have to be honest with you, for whatever reason or however my mind is wired, I never once was concerned with what other people would have thought of any of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just lucky. Like I realized well, And you have, the added, you have the added advantage that you were taking care of your child. Okay. Okay, but I would have that, in, and trust me, I, I would feel like that in any situation. And I didn't realize, <clears throat> I used to say, and I've, you've even heard me say it on here probably in the past, like, that's just who I am. Like, maybe I grew up a certain way, whatever, but I never felt lucky about it till I started really talking to people on this podcast. Because I realize now that my inability to give a crap what other people think, or or someone else's inability not to have to care like they they just care and they can't stop themselves that's not something you can kind of take credit for like that's not a decision you make um but i guess at some point i believe that it was like i believe that other people could just decide not to care what other people think and do what's best for them but i don't know that that's i think you have to care about certain like about what certain people think like not everybody's your critic but the people that you care about those are the people that you need to, you need to care what they care about. Right. Oh, I get, yeah, there has to be some back and forth. You can't, yeah. you can't let your hair grow down to your butt and never wash it. And your husband not like that very much. And just going, <laughs> I don't care what you think, buddy. Like, cause you've entered into a contract together. You're going to live together, raise some children, mm-hmm. not have a dog and stuff like that. Um, no, Hopefully I, one day. Oh, please, please, don't, please don't get a dog. And so I'm just telling you, you will call me in five years. You'll be like, I love this dog, but. It's yeah. it's killing me, and so um, but 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 I just it's very confusing. I think that's what this conversation is telling me, is that it's not a set answer for anyone, but but how do you figure out what your answer is personally? Like what because you're new to this, like so to understanding this shame, like what do you think you're going to do about it, or what have you been doing? Well, I think like the first thing is. To understand that we all have an inherent worth and that, and like, because shame is this feeling like we're unworthy. And, and so like really believing in your own worth is, is important. And then also talking about it. And then also just like transforming shame into guilt because guilt is what really helps us change our behavior. And so that's what I've been trying to do. Uh, I've been, so I, I don't have a Dexcom right now because I lost my transmitter when we moved. I'm sorry. Um, and so I'm in the process of getting the G5, which I'm so excited about. But I have been having to test my blood sugar like 10, 12, 14 times a day mm-hmm. <laughs> to like actually get a handle on it. And, and that is tough. And it takes a lot of, focus, which I don't always have, um, to remember to do it in certain yeah. spots. Yeah. When you feel okay. And 
there doesn't feel like there's a oh, reason. Oh, and but then the other thing is like I think two nights this week I fell asleep without my pump on and woke up like 300 400 and I was like, "No." What kind of pump? I'm on an Animus pump, so I'm also trying to get the Omnipause. I just, um, I just want people to know that when you hear me read the ads and I'm like, you know, you can't, you'll never take it off for your shower and forget to put it back on. I know. And I keep, I keep thinking about that because I'm it's like two times up. this week I fell asleep without it on. Uh, and I was like, you know, this wouldn't happen with the pot. Was this, real, then, was that really the situation? Like, did you get out of the shower and just forget to put it back on or I, so my clip broke the okay. clip that attaches it to usually my waistband mm-hmm. uh, broke and so I have to take it off if I'm not wearing something, something that I can clip it to or like, no, I can't, I can't clip it to anything. So like sometimes when I get out of bed, I just take it off if I have to like go, go to the kids or something and so then I get back have, into bed and, and forget to put and it back on. you don't have insulin for a while then while that's happening. And oh, yeah. before you forget to put it back on, you don't have, okay, people, yeah. listen. It's too late in the show for the Omnipod ad, but if you didn't listen to the Omnipod early, go back and listen to it. You don't have to ever take the Omnipod off. It's with you constantly. Um, and it, there's no disconnect. Disconnecting's a, a yeah. big, it's an issue. And um, because you can forget, because forgetting is, listen, there are times I start across the room and by the time I get to the other side, I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> and you mm-hmm. know, like I, I forget what I walked over here for. And, so and you, you only have two kids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you really should be ahead of me though, because your your underwear is more magical than mine is. But it's still, you would think that that would give you some sort of a boost. But it maybe apparently doesn't. I think it. it I think it does. It just doesn't affect the um, the um, insulin pump thing. Is all. That's all. <laughs> well, well, I think that's a good. I hear. I heard what you said. I want you to explain that a little better though. Like you said, you you need if you feel shame, you have to turn the shame into guilt because mm-hmm. guilt because guilt you can address. <clears throat> is that was that the idea? Like. Yeah, because like I was saying, when I feel shame, I freeze, and freezing doesn't do anyone any good. And so if I can transform that into just moving and so trying, things are going to get better. So the shame is more crip- the shame is crippling where the, oh, yeah. where the guilt just feels bad. And yeah, it feels bad, but it can help you see where you want to go. That's an interesting way to think about it. I think that like that concept is something that's really misunderstood, especially in the South where I'm living right now, mm-hmm. um, because people kind of use the they think like shame is going to help someone change their behavior, and it doesn't. Yeah, that's that's not a good tool. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. You know, it would make this better if you felt ashamed about it. Oh, yeah, great, yeah. thanks. You're yeah. Thank God I met you. Um, My son's in kindergarten, and people are trying to use shame on him to get him to do his kindergarten work, and it's like, this does not work. Don't do this. Oh no, that's definitely not valuable. And so you don't. So maybe not guilt the way people are thinking about the word, but more as um, something happened. I could have been in control of it. Um, it's it's within my grasp to be in control of something like this. Mm-hmm. And so next time if I make a better decision it or a different decision, it should go differently, which should alleviate the issue. Um, and and then I wouldn't feel badly that it didn't go well. Whereas mm-hmm. whereas shame is more like just it just shuts you off right away. Yeah. So it goes back to it, it's probably more of a um, 
something that's burned into you from a younger age, I would think. Do you think it's... Do you I think, think it's in all of us. Yeah, no, I do too. Like, do you, where do you think it really activated? Do you think when it was... Do you think it could have been before you were diagnosed? Or do you really think it was right around the diagnosis and, and the way you were treated by the doctors at that time? Um... Did your parents, I guess my question I'm trying not to ask you because I don't want to insult you, but did your parents like shame you when you were a kid? I don't think so. It's funny. They, we're they, sarcastic. And there are times where I'm like, did I just make him feel bad? Because <laughs> it's, but then I look and he's got such a good sense of humor and I think he takes it. And still, and still I told my son the other day, I said, here's the best piece of advice that I got when I was 19 or 20 that I didn't take soon enough in my life. I said, uh, women don't like it when you're sarcastic with them. They pretend they do. They laugh along and they're like, ah, ha, ha. I'm like, but it hurts their feelings and don't do it. And so. Um, That's really good advice. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, was like, I was like, they're trying really hard to be one of the guys, but they're not. They're girls. And, and that's mm-hmm. okay, by the way. That's not just okay. It's, it's great. And, and just don't. Don't do that one. I said, if you're doing that one, your girlfriend is just trying to make you feel better. And I was like, don't be sarcastic with her. Just tell her how you feel. And tell her what you think about things. Be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fine to joke. But for some reason, buddy, and I said, I don't know. I'm going to have to be alive a couple hundred more years before I completely understand the whole thing. Sarcasm's not really good for the ladies you're with. And, um, and, and he was like... He nodded. He looked at me, and I was like, "I'm telling you, this is a good one. Take this one with you." Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's um, it just there's just some things we don't like respect respond to. Do you know? Like I know for me, yeah. if somebody tells me to do something, you can be fairly certain I'm going to do the opposite. Like I, I, I just, I'm the same way. Yeah, I just <laughs> know that about myself. Um, and for the person who wrote me an email a couple weeks ago and said that my personal stories get in the way of other people talking. I don't care what you think there. (laughs) (laughs) And I disagree. Thank you. It's still got to be a conversation. I can't come on and be like, so, Catherine, you're ashamed, huh? I'll talk to you again in an hour at the end. (laughs) And I just go on and on and on about shame. No one would listen to that. I'll tell you what, by 20 minutes in, you'd be ashamed that you talked that loud about long about it. And you probably (laughs) should feel ashamed about that. Well, so you're in a really interesting position because you're at the discovery point. Like you figured out kind of what's up and you have an action plan for how to maybe get out of it, but you haven't been at it long enough to really be able to say, this is working for me or are you? Can you see it working? Please tell me you've been to dancingfordiabetes.com and that you've gone to their Facebook or their Instagram. You've checked out the incredible pictures of those adorable children. Are you, are you saying you haven't? Are you the one? You're the one person left? Come on, what are you doing? Dancingfordiabetes.com. Do it now. Not yet. I have I have a, an endo appointment this afternoon. Um, so I'm really excited to see what's happened. But to be honest, I've only been in my transformative period for a month. Mm-hmm. So I'm still going to have two months of probably really high A1C. And then my one month will bring it down a little bit. How, how have your um, blood sugars been? I know you don't have your CGM right now, but how have your blood sugars been? I think my average has been at times 140. It's pretty good. It's going to be, so, that'll probably put you right around one, like seven or ish, I'm guessing. I, I calculated what I thought it was going to be, and I think it's going to be an eight. Okay. And, well, and- I mean, that's, that's if I, well, it probably will be less than that. I, I was assuming that my A1C was really, really, really bad before. Okay. 
But I could have been wrong. I might have just been dramatic. You might have been dramatic. I was just talking to somebody the other day in a podcast that we recorded, and I and we talked about how how you have to avoid being dramatic in your life, but especially around diabetes. Like it just it doesn't it serves no good purpose to be dramatic about the, about type one about blood sugar. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a way to pull your focus away from things something that might actually help you and and just distract you know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want, we're not up on an hour yet, but I want to know, like, I want, I, it, it occurred to me first to just wish you luck on this, but I wondered, um, instead of doing that, like, what would, what would help you, do you think, succeed with this? I'm going to keep listening to your podcast because like I said, it, it offers like really good, like technical advice as well as just emotional support. When you're talking about it and laughing and saying me too, that's so powerful. Not feeling alone is really powerful. So you're, mm-hmm. so you're going to get, so what you need is you need support, like kind of the way you got it in Arizona from somebody who's like, I'm on mm-hmm. your side. And I think this is valuable uh, for you to hear that you can do this. Um, and here's some more tools because I, I, I do think that really is the long and the short of it is that you need the right tools you need to know how to use them, and you need to know that you're not alone. I, I think that just that stuff, just that those couple things are just incredibly valuable. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad to, I'm glad you're getting it anywhere. It's nice that it's coming here, but it's still, I'm just really thrilled. I, I honestly don't know of any other source for this. You know, well, I'm sure like, there. Um, listen, I'm sure there is. Um, it's not as fun as mine, but but still, I but no. When we we need fun. Th- Everybody are, needs fun. There are blogs that people write that are that I'm sure could that offer. I would never get through because I can't. <laughs> I just I don't want to like sit down and read a a blog about diabetes in my spare time. Honestly, I think that what writing lacks, unless there's going to be a lot of jokes, you will, it will see. I was going to say, I think what the writing lacks, cause I've done the, I've done the writing at, at length in the past. And it's when you write something, you can't hear someone's voice. And so that they're always very careful to be serious about it. And then by the time you get to mm-hmm. the end, you're like, well, that was more depressing than anything else. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can find myself in that story. But I think what talking like this allows is for sidebars, for you to stop talking about the serious thing for a minute and, yeah. and to joke about something else or talk about something else or realize that, that you're more of a, you know, a complete person than this story allows you to, to express. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, I, I do, I appreciate that it, that it strikes you this way. I really do. I hope you realize that, um, that you listening and anybody else listening gave me the motivation to keep doing it and it's a it's very it's very much a a circle of of life between the people listening and me making it um i i know myself if if i would have made it and and it would have been good i could have kept it going for a while if nobody was listening but i needed it to reach more people too like so that it didn't feel like not that helping one person is a waste of time but it might be hard to imagine how much time it takes to make this podcast. And right. So, the more the more effort you put into it, the more feedback you need. You just want to, to see going. want to see it come back. Like I joked earlier yeah. about the person who emailed me and didn't like that I interjected so much, but I read their email and, and I, I took it to heart. 
You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've done that over and over again. This podcast, I, I just said it recently to somebody, it's made me a better listener. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I'm a better listener. Now I understand things better because I'm not always just hearing keywords from you and formulating my thought and moving on. Like I'm really trying to hear what you're saying because, and this has been especially helpful to me because I, I don't feel shame the way you describe. And so around diabetes, but, but to hear mm-hmm. you talk about it, I'm like, Oh, I am. There are things about myself I'm ashamed about. It's just, it's just, I don't give it any weight and maybe I should a little bit, maybe I should be a little more aware of that. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten that if I didn't listen to you. Yeah. So, uh, as long as, as long as we just turn it into guilt instead of shame. And you don't mean that in a bad way, right? You just, no, mean it, you I, mean it I into think something guilt is actual. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Because, because I mean, we want to change. We don't want to stay exactly as we are now. We want to get better. And, oh, that was something that is so important to me is that I was reading in my journal from, like, a a few years ago, and I wrote, like, I want to be healthy. And, like, I think that, like, everybody, I'm pretty sure everybody, maybe everybody, wants to be healthy, and we want to take care of ourselves. We want to have good A1Cs. We want to be able to do these things. But for some reason, there's always, there, there, there is something in the way, and we need to figure out how to get over that hurdle. Yeah, you have to remove. I think that one thing that I, I, I'm trying to do here is to remove the hurdles. I think mm-hmm. there's already, there's a ton of them. Then we add more. It, it needs to be simplified, you know, and, and I was describing the other day about using insulin to somebody privately. And when I got done, I was like, I'm sorry if I made that sound overly simplistic. I know you're struggling with it. I said, but in the end, it is really overly simplistic. You're just trying to balance the action of the insulin against the action of the carbs. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I listened to that one. Yeah, there's no more to it than that, really. I mean, there's, there is. There's other outside influences, but those influences are just trying to influence your blood sugar, which in turn just needs you to rebalance your insulin. It really, at its yeah. core, is, is sort of just that. And... Um, and I want to expand a little later, and obviously it's not going to be in this episode, but I think I've just realized, too, that we're always talking about, um, you know, people, like, bumping and nudging insulin, but you can bump and nudge carbs, too. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, you should be thinking about the carbohydrates the same way you're thinking about the insulin and vice versa. Um, not, it's not a one-sided affair. So, I don't know. I, I just, I, and listen, Catherine, we really are, we're right up on an hour, but... Mm-hmm. I want to thank you because in, you mentioned at the beginning, which probably won't make it in the podcast, uh, that you have been sick for a while and you've kind of got a, 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 you said, this isn't what my voice usually sounds like, <laughs> um, yeah. but you powered through very nicely and, and you sounded fantastic. And I, I know that might not have been easy for you. So I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks. Thank you very much. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention? Um, I think just there was one thing I, the, the antidote to shame is empathy. And so that's what really, really, we were really talking about is that we need to connect with each other. We need to have a strong diabetes community. And I think you're really contributing to that, which I love. Um, but when we, when we connect with each other, we just find the way to act and to do the things that we need to do to be healthy and I'm so grateful for that. 
You're very welcome. Do you have somebody in your life personally that's doing that for you? Is your husband, have you explained how you feel to your husband or somebody close? Yeah, he's got all these plans um, for like doing experiments on my blood sugar. <laughs> he like, he's like, okay, you're going you're gonna to fast from this time to this time and we're going to see like what your basal rate does and he's he's got all these plans and he's been researching so I'll tell him to take those kids out for a couple hours that'll help you too and I know and stop getting you pregnant <laughs> I know <laughs> you would think that underwear would protect you from that but no I guess huh <laughs> no it it encourages it, it encourages. <laughs> because it's so comfy <laughs> yeah <laughs> And attractive. <laughs> I, swear, I swear to you, if everyone, listen, at the end of this podcast, it's going to end in a second. First, you go to my links and click on the Dexcom and the Omnipod links to, to try out the, the, the products. But then you've got to go Google. Um, what should they Google to, to get a picture? Well, uh, it's, it's on LDS.org. All right, hold on, I'm and do- you can just type in garments. All right. I'm doing it now. Hold They're on called garments. LDS.org, yeah. which stands for what? Uh, Latter-day Saints? Yeah, Latter-day Saints. Wait, L- but, yeah. is it L- LDS? D. I'm like, LDS yeah. is pounds. Hold on a second. Yeah. LDS. <laughs> All right, and then I go to the search, <clears throat> and I type in garments. Yeah. All right, hold on a second. Mormon underwear is the temple. Well, it better be comfy, because it is not completely stylish. I'm just going to say that right now. You, you got to see it on. All right. <laughs> I got to see it on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm, now it's going to take me a while, but I'm going to have to. Uh, You're going to go down the rabbit I'm hole. I'm going to have to break up with my wife, find a more important system of this <laughs> no, underwear. No, no, no. You don't think it's you don't worth going? You don't have to going? go that far. No, I don't have to do that? Okay. Uh, Catherine, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Dexcom and Omnipod. Thank you, Dancing for Diabetes. I appreciate all of your support. Please check them out. There's links at juiceboxpodcast.com in the show notes. And I've said the link so many times, you must know them by now. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, and dancingfordiabetes.com. I want to shout out Tyler real quick. Tyler, thanks for letting your mom come on the show last week and tell your story. I really appreciate that. And hey, everyone at the JDRF in Southwest Ohio, I'm coming. I'll be there in a few days. We're going to talk about being bold with insulin. It's going to be great.